welcome back to your Rina Covered. Today, I'm going to be start by saying something that you might think you know to be true. Your brain creates all facets of your mind. Really? Does it? So then why, why do we treat mental and physical illnesses so differently if we think we know that the mind comes from the brain, huh? So, yeah. Now, I'm a neuroscience student, and I'm often told that I'm not allowed to study how internal states like anxiety or craving or loneliness are represented by the brain. So, yeah, I don't know why, but um, in this episode, we're going to set out to do exactly that. We're going to be investigating neural pathways to see what they can reveal about mental health. So, a pioneering researcher named Kay Tai um, created this research program, and it was designed to understand the mind by investigating brain circuits. Specifically, how does our brain give rise to emotion? Now, it's really hard to study feelings and emotions because you can't measure them. Um, behavior is still the best and only window to the you know, um, emotional experience of another. And for both animals and people, yes, self-report is a behavioral output. And it's the best one we have so far. Okay, so now, behavior, right? We've got motivated behavior that falls into two general classes seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. Um, the ability to approach things that are good for you and avoid things that are bad for you is just fundamental to survival. And in our modern day society, trouble telling the difference can be labeled as a mental illness. So, yeah. Now, if I was having, you know, car trouble and I took my car to the mechanic, the first thing they do is look under the hood. But with mental you know, health research, you can't just pop open the hood with a press of a button. So yeah, that's where um, experiments on animals come in handy, specifically mice. So yeah, to understand the brain, well, we need to study the brain, essentially. And for the first time, you can actually do that. You can open, pop up the hood, and look inside uh, via these animal experiments. And specifically, technology has managed to open new windows into you know, the black box that is our minds. Uh, there is the development of optogenetic tools that have allow, like, allowed us you know, unprecedented control over specific neurons in the brain and how they talk to each other by firing electrical signals. So yeah, that's really amazing. Now, one step forward to Kay's research, she managed to genetically engineer neurons that are light sensitive and she was able to use light to control how neurons fire. Now, this can change an animal's behavior, giving us, you know, insight into what neural circuits can do. And, um, and yeah, we can figure out um, how to uh, make, you know, proactive implications into human, uh, into human behavior further on. So, yeah, scientists have developed optogenetic genetic tools by borrowing knowledge from other basic fields. Uh, you've probably heard of an algae, right? I mean, uh, it's that basic single-celled organism we all learned about. Um, in grade 9 biology. Uh, so yeah, it, it evolved to swim towards light, and when blue light shines onto the eye spot of an algae cell, a channel opens sending an electrical signal that makes, you know, a little flagella flap and propel uh, the algae towards sunlight. If we clone this light-sensitive part of the algae and then add it to neurons through, you know, genetic modification, we can make neurons light-sensitive too. Except with neurons, when we shine light down an optical fiber deep into the brain, we change how they send electrical signals to other neurons in the brain, and thus change the animal's behavior. So, that's why researchers have made sure to, you know, use optogenetic tools to selectively target neurons that are living in point A, sending messages down wires aimed at point B. 
So you leave neighboring neurons going to places that were unaffected to modify behavior. And this approach allowed, you know, allowed them to test the function of each wire within the tangled mess that is our brain, which is quite fascinating. Now, speaking of that tangled mess, we all know the basic fundamental anatomy, right? So the brain region called the amygdala. This has been um, long thought to be important for emotion. And in Kay's lab, they discovered that the amygdala resembles a fork in the road, where activating one path can drive positive emotion and approach, and activating another path can drive negative emotion and avoidance. So yeah, now um, I'm gonna give you some uh, a taste of the raw data from her research. Uh, so yeah, um, she had anxiety patients who have you know abnormal communication between two parts of the amygdala. Now it's really hard to know the abnormality. Uh, um, exactly where it is and pinpoint the cause and effect relationship in, in that disease. So she used optogen genetics to target the same pathway in a mouse and see what happens. So yeah, she put them in an elevated kind of maze and it's uh, it's actually a widely used anxiety test um, that measures the amount of time that the mouse spends in the safety of the closed arms relative to exploring the open arms um, of the maze. Now, mice have evolved to, you know, prefer prefer enclosed spaces like the safety of their burrows, where they can find food, water, mates, and uh, they need to go out into the open where they're more vulnerable to predatory threats only when necessary. So yeah, she sat there, um, and she manipulated the maze uh, the maze with light. So she managed to flip the switch and turn the light on, and what you what you would. Well, what you would discover is that actually the mouse began to explore the open arms of the maze more. In contrast to, you know, drug treatments for anxiety, there's no actual sedation here. There was no locomotor impairment, just coordinated, unnatural-looking exploration. So not only is the effect almost immediate, but there are no detectable side effects here. The mouse changed its behavior, it was modified, and it went out to explore. Neurons have been successfully manipulated. Even when she switched the light off, the mouse would go back into its normal brain function and back to its corner. So yeah, that's quite exciting. It's, uh, it gives you a quite a scream into what you can actually do to manipulate human behavior. Uh, so let me give you another example, right? How about compulsive overeating? Now we can eat for two reasons. We can eat to seek pleasure, like tasty food, or avoiding pain, like being hungry. We all know that sucks. So. How can we, you know, find a treatment for compulsive eating, like binge eating, um, without messing up the hunger-driven feeding that we need to survive? Now, the first step is to understand how the brain gives rise to feeding behavior. Um, and yeah, and the second step is to manipulate it using the algae cells we mentioned, that light sensitive like algae cells specifically. So yeah, now the um, now what we can take from these examples is making a very specific change to the neural surface in the brain can have very specific changes to behavior. That, And so practically every conscious experience that we have is governed by cells in our brain. So we need to be very, very careful what we do to manipulate, okay? We can't really mess around with this much. Um, no pressure. So uh, yeah, now um, like I'll, First year of university, this might sound very random. I wanted to focus on psychology, right? The study of the mind, or uh, and I was kind of hesitate, hesitant because I wanted to study the brain as well, which is neuroscience. 
So I eventually ended up choosing neuroscience because I wanted to understand how the brain is born out of biological tissue, not some, you know, um, floating entity. Um, uh, but I really came like onto my third year, I came to a conclusion that there's really a full circle to do both. And um, yeah, cognitive neuroscience really bridges the gap between the mind and the brain. And um, I don't know what I'm saying this, but I thought I should share this. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Now, research from Key's lab, going back to her, suggests that we can begin to dye specific neural circuits to emotional states. And we have found, obviously, several times over the past years that, um, you know, um, there are a number of circuits that control anxiety-related behavior, compulsive overeating, social interaction, avoidance, and many other types of motivated behaviors, which do reflect in internal emotional states. Now, we used to think of functions of the mind as being defined by brain regions. But her work really showed that within a given brain region, there are many different neurons doing different things. And these functions are partly defined by the path they take. Now, here, let me give you another you know, metaphor to illustrate how these discoveries change um, the way that we think about the brain. Now, let's say that the brain is analogous okay, to the world and that neurons are analogous to people. And we want to understand how information is transmitted across the planet. Sure, it's useful to know where a given person is located when, you know, recording what they're saying, but I would argue that it's equally important to know who this person is talking to, who is listening, and how the people listening respond to the information that they receive. The current state of mental health treatment is essentially a strategy of trial and error, and it's not really working. The development of new drug therapies for mental health disorders has practically hit a brick wall, and that's practically why I moved off and drifted off clinical psych with scarcely any real progress made since the 1950s. So what does the future really hold? Now, in the near future, I expect to see a mental health treatment revolution, hopefully, fingers crossed, where we focus on specific neural circuits in the brain, and diagnosis will be made based on both behavioral symptoms and measurable brain activity. Further in the future, by combining our ability to make acute changes to the brain and get acute changes in behavior, you know, with our knowledge of synaptic plasticity, we can practically make more permanent changes and we could push the brain into a state of fixing itself by just reprogramming neural circuits. I swear it's easier than it sounds. And I think exposure is therapy at a circuit level is quite possible. Once we switch the brain into a state of self-healing, this could potentially have long-lasting effects with no side effects. You know, I can envision a future where, you know, neural circuit reprogramming represents a potential cure and not just a treatment. So, yeah. So what about right now? <laughs> if from this very moment forward, each and every one of us, um, you know, as, this, um, as my episode ends, will come to believe that the mind comes entirely from cells in your brain and that we could immediately get rid of negative perceptions and stigmas that prevent so many people from getting the mental health support that they need i think we can move forward by doing so i mean mental health professionals um they're always seeking the next treatment but how about before we can actually apply new treatments we need people to feel comfortable seeking them imagine how dramatically we can just reduce the rates of suicides and school shootings in our communities if everyone that needed mental health support actually got it when we you know truly understand exactly how the mind comes from the brain we can improve the lives of everyone who has mental illness or has ever experienced it technically by the way it's literally half the population so yeah so i think everyone and i mean everyone should take this into consideration neural pathways 
are literally the doorway into treating mental health illnesses. And yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening. <laughs> kind of got really into the topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope this episode has been of good use. Not too long, not too short. You know what I mean? Sweet spot right there, 12 minutes. Um, and yeah, thank you anyways for listening all the way to the end. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Bye.